it will be Tossi who will take the penalty himself. And if he scores, we're going to hear one of the great League of Ireland songs of the season. Tossi stepping up. Left footed. 2 0 for Limerick. Along. This is News Talks SSE Tricity League podcast. Kevin Doherty, I think that's the best League of Ireland chant ever. Yeah, it's it's. it's I've I've heard it before. To be honest, with a couple, I think the Shelbourne supporters used singing about David Cassidy. It was Cass Owen. I remember Rover singing it about Jero, but ah, uh, but the Limerick they, fans do it better. They probably have a better voice. Yeah. Yes, that was by the way from Limerick's two-all draw with St Pat's at the Market Fields on Saturday night I was after covering Limerick and Wexford in the football qualifier it was so bad I decided that I couldn't leave Limerick with that kind of sour taste <laughs> in my mouth so I had to see another sporting event before I went and I have to say I got a good one I was going to say yeah yeah, it looked like it was a, a, an entertaining game I, I uh, saw the highlights last night but I think they, they didn't show a lot of the chances as well I think no and Pats had most of the play yeah, as well uh, yeah, so if I they believe. play like that for the rest of the season they'll be okay yeah well that's, I said it to you last week about them in the first half against Bowes I know it's no good doing it in one half but I was really impressed with them in the first half against Bowes and then obviously they, they dropped an awful lot in the second half but uh, now by all accounts they played very well and, and were unlucky not to get the win and I learned a couple of things that was my first game at the Marcus Fields yeah, my nice, first yeah. match in Limerick since I think 2005 a League Cup game that Limerick actually beat Pat Dolan's Cork City where would that have been that would Jack have been Park? in the Probably, or maybe, actually, Pike Rover's ground. All right, okay. I think. Um, But yeah, I learned two things. One, it's very loud, and that's a good thing. Yeah. The stand is really cool. You know, it creates a good atmosphere. It's big enough that it's big, but it's not so big that the atmosphere would get lost even if it wasn't full. And the most important thing, there is no good in sitting down in the press box because you will see nothing. Yeah, I think they're fairly... uh... Their shed end is essentially in the main stand, (laughs) unlike most other clubs. Unlike most other clubs, their core support, if I can put it that way, yeah. are in the middle of the main stand, which is, is a good thing, as you could hear there from I was going to say, the, the singing commentaries. section and everything is in the yeah. middle of it. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. I, I actually, I, like, I wasn't live doing those commentaries. I just do it oh, yeah. because I get bored of games. I'm not a good watcher of games. No. I can't go to a game and just sit and watch. I have to be doing something. Yeah, I've wondered, actually. I've, I heard you doing a couple of Rovers ones before, and I was yeah. wondering why you're just doing that for yourself. Well, I don't want to have to talk to other press members. <laughs> Because just put the phone. Up you know what it's like. Yeah, You've had to deal with them, yeah, okay, the Dublin media, yeah, especially. Yeah. Live at Oriel knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just say, oh, no, I'm live. I can't talk to you. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Yeah. just put the phone up to me. Yeah. Exactly. Og Bene, what a goal he got. Yeah. What a performance it was. Still probably gets knocked off the ball a little bit too easy. But I spoke to Noel O'Connor about this. The former Limerick manager, former yeah, assistant yeah. manager of Cork City, the man who was there from the start of Wexford Youths. Looking at him now. I'm kind of thinking to myself, ooh, should Cork City have really let him go given that they're losing Sean Maguire and Ogbenia has pace and like Maguire, he can beat players. Like Maguire, he's got a bit of vision. He is still very young. As I say, he gets knocked off the ball a bit too easily. But as a manager stroke coach, you can tell me, can that be worked on? Oh, absolutely. I I, I think I said it here earlier on in the year. I was very surprised that he uh, he was allowed to leave Cork now look if he wants to go he wants to go there's nothing Cork can really do I suppose they could dig their heels in but it depends on what the situation with contract and whatever but given the situation with Maguire and again we spoke about it before this was always going to happen I would have thought it would have been an ideal um, 
mm. player to, to just step into Maguire's shoes and uh, look he's, he's at Limerick now and, and he's he gone from Cork so he just they, they'll just have to move on but I agree with you I really like him even going back last year he was involved in the 19s he played him come on the cup final probably should have scored for Cork them um, getting the move and he's been really good I like him p- yeah. pace wise you saw the goal against Pats ball in behind and then it was a good finish as well so he has that but you're right he will get knocked off the ball a little bit too easy at the moment but that'll come yeah. with age and strength and power and I think Joe Gamble's doing a lot of fitness stuff there and um, I'm sure he would be working on that yeah and they're a big strong side Limerick and that's yeah. something you have to be in the League of Ireland it doesn't matter if you're a good footballer if you don't have strength especially in this league it is no good to you absolutely yeah well you see look again you look at Pats on the opposite side of it like they supposedly played all the football and, and hadn't passed the ball and kept the ball a lot of time but it was a draw at the end of the day so like you have to have both sides to your game if you want to do well in this league and Conan Byrne yet again coming up with the goods a fantastically struck free kick um, let's hear from Noel O'Connor actually because this is essentially robbing from something I've already done but that wasn't mine uh, Limerick are very well served media wise their papers are all over Limerick FC as they are every other uh, sport in the city including rugby and GAA but also they've got Two commentary services for almost every game. Live 95 in Limerick and their commentator, Mike Ahern. Fantastic work. They do a great job. They cover it. Uh, And Limerick Soccer Live with Alan O'Brien. They cover every game home and away. And Noel O'Connor, who we've already mentioned his credentials. He is a regular with Alan. I was sitting beside the lads. So at the end of the game, I had a chat with them. As I say, I got bored and didn't want to talk to someone. (laughs) Exactly. I decided to talk to someone. Why not Noel and Alan? And this is what Noel had to say about Limerick under Neil MacDonald and how... He's kind of looked at it and said, OK, I tried a couple of things. They didn't work. I've gone back to four four two, and how it's working because Tossi and Ogbeni now are essentially a front mm. two, big man, small man. Yeah, yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix yeah. it. If it's worked yeah. before, it'll work again. And uh, he says he, he kind of likes the look of it and he likes the look of Ogbeni and how much better he's getting. It's a big plus for him. Maybe he's playing in the position now that he always wanted to play. And secondly, he's getting games. You know, once that first goal goes in for a guy and the confidence comes up, you can't really quantify that. He's a fan's favourite here. He knows he's going to be playing every week. As you say, Oshin, fabulous finish again tonight. Nice and cool. Side footed just inside the post. There was a time now, maybe if he was in that position to start the season, he could have blasted that thing over the bar. And he's definitely improving. But with games, you know, you will improve. The, the whole system, the whole way Limerick will play has, has totally changed. I don't know if the, if the fans will get it. But uh, quite pragmatic from the manager. Knows the route one. Our strengths there. We said it even last week in... Turner's Cross Limerick created a heap more chances down there than they ever created in the 3 0 defeat uh, at home here to Cork. And um, there's other things to be tweaked, there's no doubt about it. But um, I never felt that Limerick would be in the relegation hunt, if you like. And, and even after tonight, I think overall in the morning they'll feel that it, it isn't a bad point and um, they'll be looking to the next two games against the other teams who are down there, Drahad and Galway, and they'll be hoping to, you know, maybe to get four points out of six there. I'm sure they'll be very happy with that. Former Limerick manager Noel O'Connor on Limerick and how they're developing under Neil MacDonald and how he has tried a couple of things. Maybe it didn't quite work, so he's gone back to something a bit more... What's the word I'm looking for? Traditional regards formation? Tried and tested, I suppose. Exactly. And, it, you know, it worked for them. I know that Pats had most of the ball against Limerick, but Limerick probably should have won that game. I mean... What got Pat's the result was the fact that they never gave up but it. Just an unbelievable Conan Byrne free kick. And you're not going to get that every week. Not every free kick well, is Conan. going to go in. He was fantastic. <laughs> he few, oh, yeah. what a strike it was. Yeah. What a player he is as well. Yeah. He's uh, 
So again, going back to the the Bowes Pats match, I thought yeah. when when they got the ball to him, he was ripping Bowes apart, but they didn't do it in the second <laughs> half. So. And it's funny at the end of the game, a guy from Limerick went to every member of the press and every person in the press box. And he's you know man of the match, man of the match, man of the match. And he came to me, man of the match, Conan Byrne. He says, no, it has to be from Limerick. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> maybe it's my Cork City bias, but <laughs> I was going to say John O'Flynn, who'd just come off the bench, but I thought that would be taking the mix. So I just said, uh, Chidozi. Yeah, I will look. The man. Uh, that's one thing that always annoyed me. Actually, if the man of the match is the man of the match. It doesn't matter if it's the home team or yeah. the away team. Like you know, you, yeah. you would think they would have your look. I don't think the Limerick fans sitting in front of us were too crazy about the choice, and I don't think they were crazy about my choice. I was probably the only one to go with Chidoze. But the, the the reason being is because I think when a guy's quality stands out, you kind of have to go with it, and you have to reward him for that. Uh, Limerick aren't in Europe, but Dundalk. Derry, Cork City and Shamrock Rovers are uh, coming up we'll chat to John Andrews formerly of Cork City but now working in India he has previously played in Iceland and coached in Iceland so we'll talk to him about uh, Starnan and the kind of challenge that Shamrock Rovers face there and football in Iceland and how Ireland can learn from it. we'll also speak to him about his time in India working with Dave Rogers yeah former teammate of mine friend of mine as well we uh Actually, when we finished playing, we, we went into the coach, started the coaching together. Our first, was, well, I wouldn't say it was a job, but we were at home farm together managing the under-15s. And uh, Yeah, he'd gone over to India. He was working with Liverpool's academy for a while over there, and then he, he's moved on to, to manage a team over there. So it'll uh, be interesting to see how even to see how he's getting on. And we'll catch time. up in a, a wee while, but what about playing in Europe? What is it about Europe that just kind of excites the players? Because I know as a fan you just get that bit more buzzed about European games because I guess what's rare is beautiful. That's it. And a win in Europe just still has that kind of prestige about it. Yeah. Even though it's become in some ways a little bit easier because you're playing teams from, from Latvia and Estonia and San Marino and last year Northern Ireland. In yeah. theory, we are better than all of those leagues. In theory, yeah. But uh, look, it's, it's, it's as you said, what's, what's rare is wonderful. It's like, it's different. A lot of the games are different. You're, I mean, let's be honest, when you're playing in the league over here, you're playing the same team, you can play them four, five, six times yeah. if you get them in cups. Like, So it is nice to go and play someone that you've never played before. Not so much now, I suppose, because because the coaching and, and everything is, and scouting and everything has come yeah. on so much over the last, I suppose, even five, six years, maybe ten years. But back at back in the early, in early 2000s, like, you probably were only seeing very little of these teams. They were playing different formations at we're going back to the four four two. We were only playing, playing four four two. Everyone was There's only. There's a story playing. of Mark Herrick, and he was playing with Cork City, and they got knocked out by Scanto Riga. Yeah, and I forget who it was who said it to him, but Mark said it stuck in his head. Like we shouldn't be delighted with giving these lads a game. We should be beating teams from Latvia, and, yeah. and thankfully we are now. But there, there has been a real attitude change. Yeah, well, look, I suppose again that comes back to everything's well for the, the good, the golden years. I suppose everyone was nearly full time, and that made a massive difference. And I do. Um, I heard Stewie on the telly last night saying about the, about the summer soccer thing not helping I, I, I think he's wrong I think it's definitely helped I think uh, who am I to correct Stewie Byrne but he's talking absolute crap oh, well, like, I'll, I don't mind Stewie's friend of mine as well so <laughs> I don't mind saying it but I, I definitely think like, that compare our results to the teams from Northern Ireland they still play yeah, the regular know, season it's a, it's and it's a massive disadvantage to them yeah I know I, 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 I totally disagree with him on that but um, going back to the excitement of Europe it's it's just different you're away you're yeah. um, Staying in the hotels, you're going to matches. You're doing video work before you yeah. would, which you wouldn't necessarily do before league matches as much. Yeah. Again, over the years, it's gone come on and come on, and everyone has clips. I mean, like everyone gets clips of their phones and everything now. But yeah. it's just different, and and it's exciting, and it's a chance for you. Look, I know we always keep going back to you. Look at last year, Dundalk in particular, and Cork. Yeah, it just brings everything up to a new level. As a footballer, you get to play football as well, and I'll 
allow myself to clarify my own silly <laughs> statement there. I remember mm. speaking to, I think it was Kevin Doyle when Cork City went on that good run in the Intertoto Cup. Yeah. And he said, it's not as physical no. as the League of Ireland. And if you're a player, you actually get to play a bit more. Yeah, it's it's. I found it uh, as a centre-half playing. I remember we were playing in Slovenia, I think it was. Yeah. And Jim Gannon, I think, was playing beside me. And every time he had the ball, like, we just do what we want with it, like, which was amazing because you're, you're coming in from the league games on the centre forward there's usually two centre forwards putting you under pressure and you end up kicking it down to the end of the pitch but the teams were happy to sit off you and see could you build up play and generally we weren't as good as them in that and it was even I remember playing against a Norwegian team at some stage I think it was actually only a pre-season friendly yeah. and during the game I couldn't believe what was happening like they literally were just sitting in their own half letting us have the ball in their half Pass, pass, pass. Yeah. Then they get a pass, 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 bang, and then they're in. Like and we, we couldn't get the grips with it all. But it, it was the same going into into the European games. Then it, it was a different. And how game. did you feel about one week being Mick McCarthy and the next week, uh, what's the name of the lad at Manchester City? John Stones. John Stones. Well, yeah, the, the ball using centre think, back. Well, I don't think it was ever that. But no, but it definitely had a lot more time on it, and it was something that yeah, again, you had to get used to if you're going to yeah. play more and more. And then particularly when we were playing at Shelbourne of in, in the league we were one of the better teams so you did have a, a bit of the ball at times but it'd be normally your midfielders and stuff in front of you having all the ball yeah. but in the European games it was definitely different I remember Pat Fenlon saying that when he played in Europe for League of Ireland teams some guys saw it as a bit of a piss up Yeah, you kind of would have played in around the time that attitude changed just the end of it like I remember my first year at Shells we they were beaten on the last day of the season by Cork Holly Cal scored and Tolka to so the year Bowes won the league and we were going to we got Bromby in the UEFA Cup oh, I remember that yeah. and I remember the build up to it was all about lads getting appearance there was going, winning getting an appearance fee and getting an appearance fee and it was Keely actually who said well no like if if you win you can get a bonus or whatever like but apparently before again before my time it was regarded as a bit of a piss up and going away on your holidays and getting an appearance fee this is where we make a few bob like whether, then, whether you yeah. win lose or draw getting an appearance fee and I was sort of done away with that after that that would have been 2001 I think yeah now not a piss up but when you have guys away together can you get something more out of it or is there just not enough time for any kind of bonding like that and using it for something like that I suppose it depends if if it's a once off yeah. maybe not because you go over you play and then you get knocked out and then you come home but again going back to our run you, we were on, on the road for six weeks or something in a row you know we're going away so you definitely become closer as a group Um you don't get to work at loads of stuff on training because you're playing so many matches. You're coming home. We, we were flying home from, from Spain and playing on a Friday and playing on the Sunday in the league at yeah. the time. Weren't as flexible as they seem to be now about getting games. Uh, there was fellas from the league sitting on the plane with us on the way home. You're talking about songs. There was a few songs sung at the time about them, but they How wouldn't did they react? You know, they weren't. They just kept looking forward. To it. No, they were, they were ignoring the players' voices anyway. <laughs> <laughs> things never change. <laughs> we leave it there. John Andrews, I was going to ask... How are you? But instead, since you kind of split your time between Cork and India, I'll ask, where are you? I'm actually down in Man Point, Oshin, at the moment, uh, having a cup of, a cup of tea with Dave Hill, the, the ex-Cove Ramblers manager. So, uh, loving being back in Cork at the moment. Um, you're working in India at the moment. I know there's a little bit of uncertainty, but the plan is to keep going. Yeah, the, we're out there. We we went out as the um, uh, DSK Shivajian's management staff, which is a, a club out of Pune, professional club out of Pune. Uh, just south of Mumbai and we also have the Liverpool International Academy which has been running for nearly five years there now so uh, we went out as a part of that and, and to be honest with you even good news this morning we had two more players uh, called up to the under-19 Indian international team so all's going well at the moment 
And how did you end up there with Dave Rogers? Because I know that obviously you've both played in the League of Ireland, but I don't ever remember you playing together. No, you said Dave was a Dave's a good friend since I suppose 2014. We started our UEFA license together, and uh, we played against each other actually more 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 um, more regularly in, uh, in England when he was at Peterborough and I was at Mansfield. So um, we just kind of we just kind of hooked up, and after about two months, two weeks uh, to a month of, of the UEFA license, he said, "Look." He goes, when I get the head coach's job in India, he says, you're coming in as my number two. And, and that's, how, that's how it went. You're a very well-qualified <laughs> man. You, you, uh, you're you a qualified yoga instructor. You've qualifications in strength and fitness. You're yeah. a UEFA coach. And also, I didn't know this until now, you're a translator. You speak Scouse. I do, <laughs> I do mate. No, I do. It's, um, you're going to have to... Dave, um, D- Dave, Dave, Rod- Dave, Dave, Dave slows it down a little bit for me, okay. but he's, uh, he's uh, I don't know that he slowed it down for me. Maybe he slows <laughs> it down for the players, but yeah. he's, um, but Dave's been in Ireland now for 14 years, so he's, uh, I think he's well versed in, in how to speak Cork and, and, and how to speak. I think he's up in Dundalk, uh, his family are up in Dundalk, so he's well, he's well versed. He's had enough clubs in the league anyway and around the country, so he should have plenty of different yeah, accents at this stage. I think he's, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's close to 500 or 600 games he's played in. League of Ireland and also in Holland and Scotland so he's he, David's a well-travelled footballer and I suppose it's just a natural progression now to go into coaching you know yeah yeah. He's, he's, uh, I actually worked with, with uh, well I played with him for a long time at Shelbourne but uh, when we started coaching together up in Home Farm we took an under 15 team together um, myself and, and Rog and uh, he was, I, found, I found him very good actually I always knew that he, he'd be going uh, he'd keep up the coaching and, and, and move into pr- probably management but he's a uh, very good coach and knows the game that's the thing he's a very good player and uh, he, he, very uh, knowledge, very knowledgeable yeah. and I, I think he's one of those managers that um, and Dave Hill is the exact same who was able, who was able to transition their knowledge of, of, of being a good player and, and uh, it's, I'm not going to say just because he's sitting opposite me but it's, <laughs> it's, it's effortless for them to be able to kind of put across their points and make players better. I think that's both their main strengths. You know that they really do make uh, players better, and players respond to them. And uh, you, you'd have seen that yourself, like yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. Dave Hill, a former uh, guest of this podcast, and he got his cup final prediction right. He was on our cup final preview last season. Uh, John, we'll talk about Iceland because Shamrock Rovers are going to play there, so you're going to give us an insight. We'll yeah. also talk a bit about playing in Europe. But for yourself, is there any great? difference in the Indian football culture as compared to the Irish one or is football the same kind of worldwide um, I'd, I'd be honest Oisin, the if you're looking at the, if you're looking at the way that, that we structured our club we would we would have some some days you'd have three training sessions a day morning strength and conditioning in the afternoon and then, and then a, a tactical session at night um, I think when it comes down to full time football it's, it's all full time in India so you know, you, you have the you have the hours with the players. You know, it's, there's no kind of distractions. Whereas I think sometimes in the League of Ireland we still have a part time. You know, there's still part time players, and yeah. you're having to fight against that. But look, passing the ball to one another, running, pressing. Uh, you know, a little bit of tactics here and there, and a five aside. So all you need is two goals and a bit of grass for that. You know. Yeah. So and, I, I suppose it's the same. And it sounds like they're they're trying to really launch football over there as a product a la China and they don't have the money that they have in China but it is a franchise based system can you see it kind of continuing on for years to come are they doing this the right way are they going about kind of building it the right way um, kind of a test touchy subject on that one yeah. <laughs> you know with being involved no to be honest with you they are they are uh, running it the, the, the ISL which would be the kind of um, the, the league where all the top foreigners would go uh, people like Good Johnson now and Pirlo have been over and, and, and these kind of people. These kind of people who have 
come and had a little look and um, that would be more I'd say razzmatazz the, the place where you would see the in my opinion the top uh, Indian players playing would be the I-League which is their actual official league I know they're trying very hard at the moment to merge both of them and have both of them working side by side and, and running simultaneously so that, that more Indian players will get the chance to play at both levels so to be honest with you uh, I can see the I-League struggling um, over the next two or three years but I think the ISL if they can get the, uh, a structure through youth football I think the ISL can do nothing but explode I think it'll be, it'll be, it's going to be fantastic for Indian football And they certainly have the population to support a, a very decent standard of football be it in the professional leagues or, or right through the age grades Yeah, there's, look there's, there's, it's still a second class sport as regards with cricket you know, cricket's their main sport. Um, they love it. They're, I know there was, a, there was a, a player convention in Qatar recently and, and the guy to go over and represent India uh, ended up being a cricket, uh, a cricket consultant and, and, and made that point in his first sentence. So it, it's still heavily a second sport there, but it's coming good, you know, with, with players coming through the under-19s and they've been, they've been given the under-17 World Cup that starts in October. Um, it's developing fantastically. And it's nice to be a little bit of a part of it as well, you know. John, I was just going to, just when Oshin mentioned the standard there, it was a question I was going to ask. I know it's very hard to compare, like you often hear people saying what league in England is the League of Ireland like and stuff like that, but were you surprised at the standard? You mentioned the international players and stuff coming through your ranks. Were you surprised? Is it as good as you thought it would be? Is it better? Just wondering. It's, ten, it's ten times better, Ken, to be honest, which is, um, odd. I went over there thinking um, that, you know, when you're going into a new country as a foreigner, you think you're going to show them everything and, and, and yeah. you're going to give them all these new ideas. And you're going over there, and you're looking at players. You know, you know. Let's let's be aesthetic about it. Players without their shirts off, and they're they're ripped up to bits. They're, they're proper athletes. Str- yeah. Oh, they're absolutely yeah, yeah. fantastic. And yeah. and okay. now you you do get the other lads who are from different parts of India who are not, not as phys- uh, physically um, competent, but by and large their fitness levels are fantastic, yeah. and the skill levels of some of the players. There's a player coming out. We, he's just gotten into the under-19 national team. A guy called Pranjal Buhu um, at BHUMU. And uh, I haven't seen anything like he's the fastest thing I've ever seen in, on two legs. He's a terrific finisher. And I, uh, if there was ever a punt to throw on somebody to, to come out of India and be a superstar, I think this kid will be it. Are we going to start seeing more of that? I mean, you mentioned there that Dave was actually working with the Liverpool Academy. Are we going to see players taken out of there? Is that the, the aim? Well, there was two of them went over. Jerry and uh, Lawrence Walla went over, I think, last year or um, maybe 16 months ago now and, and trained with the Liverpool under-23 team and, and blew them away, you know. So um, only for the fact that they were a part of the national team, that only God knows would they, would they have been kept. But the standards, like you mentioned earlier, Ken, the standards of the players, the, the standards of the field, um, the, the 4G pitches, the training facilities now are, are getting much, much better. So... I can't see anything. I, there hasn't really been too many uh, players coming out of India. I think Sabrata Paul spent a season in, the goalkeeper spent a season in Norway. Uh, Sunil Chetri spent a season in Portugal, I think, and, and that's it. But with the, with the way that the young fellas now have the internet and they can learn about fitness and they yeah. can learn about strength and what to eat, I can't see anything but positives coming out of the country, to be honest with you. And what about yourself, John? The, the, obviously, it's a very different culture. How do you find the, the culture there? <laughs> I'll have to be honest I kind of cheated you know I was head of strength and conditioning when I went in and I was, that also meant I was head of nutrition so I would uh, I was able to bring over a lot of European foods and, and have the lads eating a lot of foods from from, uh, from Europe to, to, to help build up and to help them keep fit so I kind of cheated on that but the, the culture itself 
look, we all know about the poverty on the streets yeah. and stuff like that. That's just something you're going to have to, you, you have to turn a blind eye to. I, I, I can remember walking down the street in Delhi and a, a man fully naked pulled out a mobile phone from I don't know where and started talking on it. So you just, you just have to turn a blind eye to yeah. something like that. The, um, it's not, you know, there's, there's bad places everywhere. And, and yeah. in India, there's some fantastic places, Bangalore, Mumbai, um, up in Aizal, some terrific places to, to visit. And if if you can concentrate on those places, sure, it's just like being at home, except with a, you know, with a hotter climate. Yeah, uh, is it is it hard? Was that kind of something you had to get your head around? Just that the poverty that was there, and, and the fact that it, it is all around, and no matter what you do, you can't change it. Nothing at all. It, it was that, you know the type of person I am. I've you know I've I've, I've been involved with the Chamber of Commerce, and I, I was volunteering here at a St Luke's nursing home as well. You know. And I like helping people and you, you realise very quickly that yeah. no matter how much you try and help somebody in, in a country like India, you, you know, it's a drop in the ocean, it's a grain of sand in the, in, in the desert as well. You know, it's, yeah. um, you can't help anybody. So you, you kind of have to put the blinkers on when you're going between Starbucks and, and the shopping mall because, you, you know, you could see a dead body on the ground, you could see kids starving, you could see, you know, anything you can imagine. We've probably seen it. You just have to turn a blind eye to it and, and, and get on with your own life a little bit, you know. And has it given you a perspective? Because I remember uh, Michael Parkinson saying that that's why sport is important because it isn't death and war and, and plague. It is, it's a distraction from these things. It's a way of maybe helping some people get out of these situations. Has it given you kind of a view into that and a perspective on that? I do. Um when you have players who have come from slums and when you have players who have come from living in shacks and, you know, we have players at 17 and 18 and 19 years of age who have, who have families of 20, you know, 20 plus and they're the main breadwinner. You know, that, that, that lets you know that, you know, these kids coming out and playing football and, and these kids coming in and, um, you know, coming into our academy or into our first team, you have to also realise that they're, they're, you know, they're, they're the main breadwinner in their house. There's a lot of pressure on them and, um, there's an awful lot of respect. I have an awful lot of respect for these kids, and especially the young players. Yeah. And the, the older players, you know, they've learned it. They've, they've been in the country a long time. That, yeah. But the younger players who are the main breadwinners, it's, I have nothing but admiration for them. And, and uh, you know, and I'd, I'd even go as far as to say, you, you, it takes you about a month to fall in love with these kids. You know, they're all in contact even in the close season, and yeah. they're. Um, it's very hard to forget him. That's, that, that's one way to say it. And if you were coaching kids in Cork now, would your primary message be, having seen what you've seen, look, whatever happens, just enjoy it. I mean, if you become a professional, if you get paid for this, great, but, but enjoy it and, and, and appreciate what you have in life. Well, I, I've, I've been asked this question by a few people and, and I've developed um, a kind of a mentality that as long as the kid goes out and does his best, yeah. whether, you know, I think nobody enjoys you know, when they're messing about and, and they're losing 5 nil, and nobody enjoys losing. But you can't control what the other team are going to do. If Cork City go and play Man United's first team in the morning, you know, if Man United play their best and Cork City play their best, Man United win. Yeah. But all Cork City can can can, um, can concentrate on is doing their best. And I think if we could just have our kids doing that, just doing their best, making sure that there's no pressure on them, you know, they don't, shouting and roaring at them and stuff like that, um, all that comes with age all that comes when they get into academies and when they get up to 15 and 16 and, and international football starts to come but um, just as long as the kid has you know I think we've taken out the, the the competitive edge in our kids I think we need to put that back in and I think if, if, if we could concentrate on our kids just doing their best I think that would that could, that could put that kind of an element back into football Yep I want to talk to you about Shamrock Rovers because they're going to Iceland for a Europa League 
tie this week. It's the first leg of their uh, qualifying yeah. round encounter. And I want you, first of all, John, given your time there and the fact that you, you do speak a bit of uh, Icelandic, to give me the proper pronunciation of the club they're playing because I've heard various, various <laughs> versions. It's called Stjadman. Okay, that's so pretty if good. You, if S-T-J-A, and if you put a little D next to the R... You'll get it right, so Stjadman. Stjadman, okay. Yeah, we'll that point next week. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure if you've been following them week to week, but what you can do is tell us what it's like to play them, what their facilities are like, what they're kind of like as they, a club. They play on a 4G pitch. It's, uh, it's one of the best in Europe. It's, um, they have a fantastic fan base. The whole club in Stjadman, whether it be men's football, women's football, uh, or underage football, it's run to the, to the top levels of Icelandic ability. They're very, very professional. Um, and they, they would be known more or less as the working men's club in Iceland. So with Shams going over and Stephen bringing the boys over, um, don't expect them not to be fit. Don't expect them not to be organised. They're going to be, uh, they'll be a very, very um, hard team to break down. And on that AstroTurf, we saw with Dundalk over the last two years, only God knows what can happen. So it's going to be, a, if, they can come, if, if Shams can come out of that game with, with, with any result at all, yeah. uh, I'd fancy him bringing them back to Tallinn and then turning them over. And what Iceland did at Euro 2016, and we did speak about this last year, that wasn't an accident. That's kind of... No. That's a result of the years of coaching and planning they've put in. And I presume, even though that there were no domestic club players in that squad, that the, 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 the club players have benefited from that. And you'll see something similar to what we saw with Iceland and what we see with them on the international stage. Comfortable with the ball, but very strong, very fit, very athletic. Oh, they're, they're smashing. And the thing with Iceland is that what we don't have here is the benefit of the 4G pitches. Iceland have, I think, 20 indoor fields that, you know, if, they're, if, if, it's, if it's raining or snowing or, or, or overly windy, they just go inside and train. So, you, get, you, you know, you never have a problem with touch on the ball. You never have a problem with, um, with cancelling training sessions and stuff like that. The, uh, but the one thing that the Icelandics have, they have a fierce, fierce competitive spirit. They do not like to lose. They don't. They don't like you to be able to lift more than them. They don't like you to be able to run harder than them. And and uh, they certainly don't like foreigners coming in and and, uh, and expecting you know to just because they're foreign that they're better. Um, you got you have to earn your stripes when you when you go and work in that country. And and uh, the Icelandic people make you earn your stripes. And uh, and rightfully so, I think you know. Yeah, you got a bit of a lesson at one stage, didn't you? What's that? You got a bit of a lesson there one stage, didn't you? Well, I, I, I've got a, I've had a few lessons to be honest <laughs> with you. And, and one of the, one of the funniest ones, and it, it's quite simple, is if you want to put it down the way they treated me the first two years, if I tried to go and talk to a uh, to a girl, she'd go, "Oh, isn't he lovely?" You know, he's a, he's a foreigner and whatever. And then the second two years, they'd say, "You know what? You, you need to start learning." And, and they'd go, "Oh, isn't he lovely?" Because he's trying. The last two years I was there, if I didn't speak Icelandic, you'd, you'd be a very cold place to be. You know, they, they, they expected you to have uh, be in their culture and and, uh, and and pick the language up. So it's, uh, it's <laughs> you know, it's, I suppose it's about like every country. It's about respect. John, it's Kevin again. Um, we're just looking at a lot of stuff online and, and stuff on Twitter and in the papers. Uh, there seems to be a, f- a fair feeling that that Shamrock Rovers are going to have a hand, got a handy enough draw here. I, I've seen that a lot of places. And looking at uh, Dundalk last year against yeah. F- FH, I mean, that yeah. before the eve, that was the first game, I think, wasn't it? And yeah. they, they were struggling. And, Park, yeah, yeah. They, at, at one stage, I, I, I thought they were going out. And even going back to, to my time, all the way back to 2004, we played yeah. KR Reykjavik in the first round before That's the right. whole, before Rod scored actually against uh, Hadjik Split the, the next round. But we were very lucky to go through. and I, th- I think maybe over here that people don't understand, as, as you said, how professional a league and, and stuff, it, the, the, the players, their athletes, 
that they're well organised that it's it's going to be a, a very tough tie for Shamrock Rovers well as well as that Kev is every coach over there is, is UEFA licensed you know from the, from the top to the bottom their, their young kids are developed very very well they're under 17 you have to have an A licence coach for under 17 their senior team is A licence and pro licences these are no mugs no. you know these are no mugs at all and, and you know you know yourself when it comes to, when it comes down to it if you're training every day and you're working hard and, and um, I suppose especially technically if, you, if you've got the benefit of these 4G pitches your technique cannot fail to, um, to improve now whether the lads at Shamrock I don't think I do, especially the way Stephen will have them I, I don't think there's no way he'd let them relax and it's a European tie after all no but if he, um, if, if anybody outside of the of the eleven players and the manager, if anybody outside thinks it's going to be an easy ride, well, I think there could be a fairly surprising result at the end of it. John, just before we let you go, obviously India is taking your focus at the moment, but might we see you on a touchline in Ireland at some stage in the future, specifically in the League of Ireland? As they say, as they say in Iceland, Aldre say Aldre, which means never say never. Um, if if the right job came up, of course, you know. Um, I've always said have passport will work, and uh, now that I'm out there, it's uh, football's football, Oshin, and it's it's. Uh, I'd love I'd love to come home. I'd love to be able to, to to work in the League of Ireland. I'd love to be able to work with with good good people as well. So look, if the right offer came up, there's no doubt uh, I, I'd be very very interested. And of course, obviously, you, like you've worked in the world of women's football as well, and that's growing all the time as well, which is great to see. So there could be opportunities there as well. Yeah. Well, look the. I remember working uh, and, and trying to sign three of our our, 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 ma- our major players: Denise O'Sullivan, Katie McCabe, and Claire Shine. Uh, when I was up in Iceland, unfortunately, we didn't get them. But uh, women's football is—it's—it's—I um, it's, it's, can't say it's a new sport. It's, it's just—it's terrific to work in because it's, it goes back to the technique and the tactical side of the game. Where I think the men's side at the moment has gone very, very athletic. Yeah. The women's side, there's still an awful lot of technique. There's still an awful lot of tactical side of the game that, that, uh, that you can teach the ladies. And then you've got it. You've got to speak about people like Dave Bell and and, and who are, who are doing amazing, amazing work uh, with our underage here. So if they, you know, I've spoke to Belly. If there's anything I can do to help him, or if there's anything that I can do to help anyone in in the in the, the professional ranks here in, in in Irish women's football, they only have to ask. John, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. My apologies to Dave Hill. We've we've taken your time with him and his time with you. <laughs> um, I'm sure he'll let me know about that next time I see him. But uh, John, listen, best of luck in the future. Great talking thank, to you. And, thank uh, you very much, lad. We'll Cheers, talk John. to you soon. Take care. Great stuff. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is News Talks SSE or Tristy Lee podcast and that was John Andrews. And unfortunately, we didn't get to speak to John about his music career. Who are the best singers in the league that you've ever played with? Gee, Mike. Um... Alan Carley fancies himself as a singer. Well, but, uh, I'd, I'd say you could just <laughs> stop it at fancies himself. There. Fancies himself, yeah, yeah. Well, if you looked like Carley and dressed like him, you'd fancy yourself. Ah, In look, fairness to the man, he is a dapper, handsome dude. He is, yeah. You he know? was a groom's man at my wedding. And, and oh, really? I was one of his. So Why yeah, would you select Carley when he would take the focus off you and the bride? Ah, look, he just he, he just wanted to have... He didn't have to pay for entertainment then afterwards, so it was all a yeah. deal, you know? So long as you didn't expect him to tackle anyone, you were okay. Ah, look, we've had many's around a football pitch about him <laughs> ducking out of the way of balls and I had to go and head them and, and uh, missing out and tackle well, but then maybe he'd do the other stuff for me. I'm sure he would argue that you like to head the ball Absolutely. and he wanted to give you the opportunity. He did, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a, a good guy. Yes, he is. Um, let's talk about Derry because it, even if you're listening to this after their European game against Mitchelland, this point is still relevant from Kenny Shields. Basically, they're relatively short on numbers due to injury 
and he thinks it's unfair that their opponents can sign players at the moment whereas they can't. Obviously it's going to be very difficult for us and we're hampered quite a bit with the the absence of Conor McDermott and Barry McNamee and Dean Jarvis is carrying a, a, a doctor strain so you know you've got all those little, not little, huge issues uh, to contend with and then you've got the quality of the opponent and don't want to sound totally negative and dispirited because we've got to go in with a, a positive frame of mind but they are they are obstructions, massive uh, losses for us and you know, added to the fact that we um, can't bring in the new players. You know, it's just, I felt that there should be something done about the window period where, you know, in the League of Ireland, because the games are coming at this time, it's a quite unfair on ourselves and the rest of the League of Ireland clubs that are representing Ireland. It's unfair on us that Mitchelland are sending away at players. They bought a goalkeeper just just uh, this week from um, um, Lingby in Denmark. Top goalkeeper uh, Jasper Hansen. So they're signing away and being able to play players, and we can't we can't use our players that we've got. Kenny Sheilas may not have meant to sound downbeat, Kevin, but he was very much downbeat. Yeah, it sounded like it. Yeah, he. Uh I know he might be, might be trying to play down stuff, but uh, he he definitely sounded to be all right. Well, this is News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast, and this is somewhat of a breakaway, not to spoil the magic of putting the podcast together. And I know you do think it is magical, kind of like Christmas. Um, we record the links and then we put it together afterwards. But after we record it and after Kevin left, the news broke that Longford were going to appoint Neil Fenn as their new manager. Also, the news broke that uh, Airsport are going to show the Cork City game. Cork City against Lavadia Tallinn. That one kicks off at half four on Thursday. That, of course, the Europa League first qualifying round, first leg. But I'm delighted to say that uh, Neil Fenn joins us now. Neil, you've been a coach, you've obviously been a player, but you've never been a gaffer. So, why now and why Longford? Um, I've just spent the last or six weeks at the end of the season there at Leighton Orient as assistant manager. Um and never really thought about being a manager before that. Got the call to go over there. Really enjoyed it. Um, had the chance, possibly there was a chance that I could go back there. But thought about it and thought, no, do you know what? I'm going to try and apply for, for jobs over here. See what's over here. And as it happened, the long-term manager's job came up pretty much straight after that. Um, applied for it. Went through the interviews and here I am. Um, it was a baptism of fire maybe at Leighton Orient because situation the situation wasn't great their finances were um, were the financial issues were, 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 were quite stark so I mean that that is in some ways good preparation for working with small budgets and a league where where there isn't a whole pile of money floating around yeah yeah it was an absolute nightmare over there to be honest in terms of the, what was going on behind the scenes on the pitch, we, you know, we had a, there were some really good young players. I enjoyed working with them. Some of the older players gave everything they got under really difficult circumstances. But like you say, you know, you're dealing with you're putting out fires more than more than anything else, really. And over here, I don't think it's as bad. Um, Longford's a, a good club with a good um, 
good backing, good boards and stuff like that. So hopefully I won't have those type of problems. And a good squad of players as well? Good squad of players, yeah. I haven't actually met the boys yet. Um, it's Wednesday today. I'm meeting, um, meeting them all tomorrow at training Thursday for our first training session. Yeah, now unfortunately you've lost Dylan McGlade, who is a real talent. He left the club in recent weeks. That's a bit of a blow, I imagine. Yeah, Dylan's a very talented player um, who's chosen to to move to England, I think it is. And um, we wish him well with what he's doing next. But, you know, the, the, the squad's talented enough. Um, we'll assess the squad, myself and Gary Cronin, who's, who's there. And then we'll, we'll have a look at what's happening. If we need to bring players in, we'll try and do that. Yeah, how important is it that you have Gary with you? Because he knows the club very well. He's been there for a while. He obviously has been the caretaker since uh, Alan and Kevin left. Yeah, it's good to have him now. Obviously, he's got the knowledge of all the players, um, how, the, how the club works, the ins and outs of it and everything else, which hopefully will smooth over the transition of me going in. Um, they're fifth in the table at the moment in a seven-team division, but they've had some good results. I mean, their their position maybe is a little bit false, even though the saying is the league table never lies. So from this point of the season, what is your aim? Our aim is obviously to, to win as many matches as possible. I know that you know everyone else will probably look at it and think that Waterford are gonna are pretty much running away with it, and we'll win the league. Hopefully, we're gonna. Our aim is now to put as much pressure on them as we can, and to finish up the table as high up the table as possible. Yeah. Anyone who's seen you play knows that you're you're a footballer. I appreciate that's a very obvious statement, <laughs> but what I mean is is like I think Glenn Hoddle was one of your heroes, and you'd know it by looking at you. But in the first division, maybe you can't play that way. Is that going to be is that going to be tough, or do you know what your footballing philosophy is with this team, or is that a bit of a stupid question because your philosophy might be different with a different bunch of players in a different country? But it's Longford; it's the first division. So, do you know how you're going to play? Yeah, I think you have to be you have to be realistic about it. You have to assess what players you've got, what you're asking players to do that you've already have there. Obviously. I've got a squad of players already there, so it'd be wrong to me, wrong of me to ask certain players to do something that that's not they can't do that. Um, I certainly have a philosophy of what I would like to do, how I how I would like to play, um, but but as you say, it all depends on there's different circumstances in in the first division with the pitches and the players that I have to work with, and we'll we'll see what they got. But I think you know I certainly have a, a way of how I want to play and and. It, um, but like I say, it all depends on the yeah. players we've got and if we can bring anyone in. And when you we played, yeah, as we say, you were a you were a footballer. You were a keep the ball down kind of man when you played. Uh, yeah. And back then, you could argue the league was even more physical. It was even more agricultural. So, you know, you know yourself that you can play a bit like that. You can play a bit of football. It doesn't all have to be bang it to the big lad. No, I think it. I mean, there's a lot of factors, you know, about playing. You know, you. There's playing and there's playing out from the back and there's playing through the thirds and there's playing, playing this way and that way. But at the end of the day, you need to get results. So, you know, we we want to play. We want to play as, as nice football as we can, but we also want to progress and we want to move forward and play forward when we can. Um, we certainly hope to try and play the ball on the ground and, and move the ball around and, and fluidity of movement amongst midfielders and strikers and stuff. But at the end of the day, it is a results business and we need to get the results. Um, is there anything that you're going to take from previous managers and implement it in your own style? I mean, you've you've worked with some characters: Damien Richardson, Barry Fry, um, yeah. uh, Pat Dolan, obviously the man who brought you to Cork City. I think was it Mike Flanagan you played under at Waterford United? 
It was Jimmy McGill. G- oh, well, another character. Yeah, another character. I, I Pat remember Fennin Pat Fennan at Bose. Yeah, I remember seeing yeah. actually Jimmy McGill. Um, a Kilkenny player who shall remain nameless squaring up to him on the sideline and I can tell you he did not square up to him again nor yeah, would any other yeah. player so is yeah. there anything you'll take from those guys that, that I'll take I, I think I'm going to take little bits and pieces there's not one manager I can say right I'm going to do yeah. it exactly the same as that um, there's little bits and pieces that I think I can take from every manager from everything from organisation to man management to uh, motivation and just little bits and pieces from a lot of managers Rather than just say right, he's my he's my inspiration and everything else. I think just recently I had a chat again with Brian Kerr at um, a reunion we had a couple of weeks ago, and he'd be one that I love his attitude towards football, and you know he'd be one I would definitely try and emulate. Brian Kerr and Michael O'Neill was another another excellent manager. I thought in my short time at Shamrock yeah. Rovers, Pat Fenlon's organisation, Pat Dolan's motivation, um, Damian Richardson's let's just get out there and play our yeah. way kind of kind of attitude. So. Yeah, little bits and pieces from everyone. And, and one common trait amongst all of those guys is that they were big personalities and when they were in charge of a club, they were in charge of a club and that's something I, I guess that you're looking at and that you need to take and implement at Longford. Yeah, I think the part of my part of my um, brief at Longford is that I'm not just the first team manager. I'm, I'm a kind of, I'm going to be involved in a little bit more than that in terms of trying to get help the 15s, the 17s, the 19s, recruiting players, helping the coaches there. Um, you know, just a little bit more than just managing a first team. Which I think in the League of Ireland, the manager has to be really he's the face of the club. He's the front of the yeah. club, and um, I'm going to try and do that to the best I can. Kevin Kilban, my current teammate, your former teammate in the Irish Under 21s, has tweeted to wish you luck. Are you going to try and draw on his expertise? Yeah, I'll give Kevin a ring. Um, I took him under my wing when I was um, <laughs> when he came into the 21, so he, he owes me a favour anyway. So I'll give him a ring and see what he thinks. And the good thing about Kev is, is if you do a good job at Longford, he'll get you sorted with Preston. He'll get me where he is? He'll get you sorted with Preston. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I said over at Preston, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, does. exactly. Um, do you know much about the, the, the region, Longford? Do you have any connection there at all? or? Not, not a hell of a lot, no, I've got no connection. All my connections are in court, so yeah. um, Longford wouldn't be a region. I've obviously played at the stadium loads of times lovely stadium I really enjoy playing there and from what I've met there all the people I've met there at the moment have been really good to me all the staff and everything else at the club so can't wait to get going Yeah and they really do get behind the team if they get any momentum but do you feel that one thing that they have fallen down on is a local connection if you can at all will you try and get local players involved? We will I know that you know that's every team every team's dream is to get as many local players as they can involved and it, it is not as easy as what it Yeah that's what it sounds, but I'll do as much as I can in terms of promoting the club in the local area and trying to get people to matches. And like I've said to them before, to the board to the, to the, uh, there, I'll have no problem in promoting a 19s player into the first team, a 17s player into the first team, if he's good enough. Um, no problem at all. Yeah, and is that a big kind of selling point of yours when you went and met the club that with these new leagues established now, Longford do have maybe a bit more of a production line than they would have in the past when it would have been mainly about the first team, whereas now every club has to have some bit of a structure, which is good for places like Longford, who who, who maybe didn't have it before. I'm kind of speaking blindly there, Neil, so I hope Longford, forgive me if I'm wrong, but there, there's maybe a better production line than there was. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a pathway now, a clearer pathway for young players. I would say probably historically, Hannity players in Longford would have travelled to Dublin um, to play for Dublin-based teams from, from probably 13 or 14. 
um, now that they they don't have to now they can play top level League of Ireland football yeah. from the ages of 14 or 13 now when the new league comes in all the way through and, and, and get a pathway into the first one Yep. And Neil, just before I let you go, um, Cork City playing in Europe this week, also Shamrock Rovers playing and Derry playing as well at Dundalk in action in a couple of weeks. Um, it must bring back great memories for you, the European weeks, because you had great oh, times with Cork City and, of course, Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, I used to love the European, um, the European trips, the European games at home, always packed houses um, at Cork, at Bowes, at, at um, Dundalk as well. So I really enjoyed the, the European games, loved going away with the lads. Um, just really enjoyed seeing new cities, playing in new stadiums, different styles of football. I, that is what I really used to love them. Okay, Neil, the very best of luck with the Longford job, and thank you very much for joining us on News Talks SSE Airtricity League podcast. Thank you. Okay, well, that's it for this week. It's a strange week when there's European games. We kind of feel we don't get the value out of recording it, Kevin. Yeah, well, you'll uh, see, I suppose. Then <laughs> but even with John Andrews, who spoke about uh, Shamrock Rovers' trip to Iceland, there's actually a lot of featurey stuff in there. I'm trying to justify this. I'm yeah, trying to oh. not be lazy and not do another one on Friday. Uh, Cork City, best of luck to them in Europe. They're up against Lavadia Tallinn at half four on Thursday afternoon. Best of luck to Shamrock Rovers. Best of luck to Derry. Best of luck to Dundalk, who are in action uh, next week, I think it is. Whenever it is, we'll talk about that. Um, I was going to go through the fixtures, but quite frankly, if you're listening to a podcast, you know how to work the internet go and find them yourselves Kevin how do people get in contact with you for abuse and other things well hopefully no abuse but uh, my twitter is at kevdoc5 you're a star now Kev you have to put up with that oh. uh, at Oshin Langan is mine we'll talk to you next week take care bye bye thank you